podcast on the internet where we talk about all movies related to drones this one's actually going to stretch the credibility of our drone definition we had in the first episode today we're talking about robocop the paul verhoeven movie starring peter weller nancy allen ronnie cox kerwood smith and miguel ferrera i don't know what your guys's familiarity with this film is but i've seen it quite a number of times i almost didn't need to re-watch it for this podcast uh first timer i think um, everyone here has seen it a bunch of times except Michael. True. If you guys want to go around and introduce yourselves again real quick, I'm Andrew Maddock. I'm Joshua Maddock. And Matthew Maddock. And I'm Michael Burrell. <laughs> Michael, I want to ask you real quick, did you have any familiarity with this I've movie seen before? the new one. Okay. I've seen the right. Joel Kinnaman one. But not, I actually liked it too, to be honest. Okay, but not the OG. So we're starting pretty fresh on this one. Jay, you, you're a huge fan of this movie, right? So I watched this before i can't say new one anymore because it's what it's like seven years old now before the remake came out and i like fell in love with it i think this you know spoil my thoughts i think this movie's awesome and i don't like the remake so i'm excited to talk about this one well i it's it is weird that it's been seven years since the remake it feels that that feels like a movie that was made in like 2009 or something but yeah this movie is it's a classic got a lot of good qualities about it i almost feel like we don't need to go down the plot too much for this movie honestly we can talk about it a little bit but for the most part i feel like this is a movie that everybody's somewhat familiar with so it's the perfect example of a movie that's title basically describes the entire movie it's about a cop in detroit who gets shot down and they build him inside of a cyborg body and then he has to track down the people that brought him to that stage while taking down a massive corporation of police and an industry that's trying to revolutionize and institute robot technology to essentially take over their corporate interests and policing units. I want to first just say this movie has forever ruined Detroit for me. I'm sorry to the people that live there and maybe listen to this, but I never want to visit that city because of this movie. It, it just makes it look like the worst place ever. I feel like a lot of movies about Detroit, especially from the 80s, have that style about it where it's just like, wow, this place kind of sucks. What is there here besides crime? It was kind of a gutter town at the time. Like it wasn't the best, especially with was, yeah. this movie touches on the policing issue, but that was definitely an area where they needed to grow a little bit more. They honestly still need to grow a little bit more in that area. But this is around the time right after the Vietnam War had happened and Ronald Reagan was president. So a lot of those issues of distrust with corporate interests and police come up along with a lot of capitalism overtake. One of the things I really appreciate about this movie every time I watch it is the satire of it. That was actually one of the things that drew Paul Verhoeven to it. So the two guys who wrote this, one of them worked on Blade Runner initially as a on set learning about filmmaking. He started to write a script about a robot cop similar to Rick Decker hunting down replicants in Blade Runner. And then he and another screenwriter came together and wrote this pitch that it was sold to Orion, where one of the producers, John Davidson, who had worked on exploitation movies and parody movies, so like he did Airplane, he was a producer on that. And he came in and really liked the satire 
which is what he tried to sell to Paul Verhoeven, who was a new filmmaker in America at the time. He'd done some Dutch films, but he hadn't really done anything super big in America. But he pitched it to him after pitching it to, I want to see how you guys react to this. They were originally going to get David Cronenberg to direct this. How do you feel a David Cronenberg film like this would have turned out? I'm not going to lie. I feel like it would have been similar to what we got. A little bit rougher, probably. A little bit rougher, yeah, around the edges, but the violence and gore, it might have even gotten amped up. I would agree it's not like a George Lucas directing the last Star Wars movie to David Lynch. It's not something like, well, just imagine the world if David Lynch had made Return of the Jedi like he was supposed to. I think David Cronenberg would have maybe... I. I don't know. This movie is very, from the opening scene, yeah, you're right. I love the opening segment of the news and how they react to some of the stuff that they're reading out and then the advertisements and, of course, the television show that they are just wildly <laughs> laughing at. These criminals are just losing their minds. And I think <laughs> all of that is just so, so good here. And it fits perfectly, honestly. It doesn't feel kind of forced in. It feels like part of the world. I was going to say, it, I forgot that it does start with a news segment and that's the first part of the movie so it sets the tone for not just the city of Detroit that we are going into but it just sets the tone of the satire elements the news parody politics of it all that gets satirized through the film. I just want to say one thing about the opening didn't know where the plot was going to go not knowing what happens next the thought I had with the first shot of like the media break coming in <laughs> and I wrote it down was I got Eddie Brock report vibes <laughs> from it. That was my first impression. The movie didn't really... It doesn't really go have, there at any point, but yeah. yeah. But that was just a thought that shot through my head. The reporting is pretty terrible uniformly. They're showing all kinds of massacres and all variety of awful shit on the television all the time. I was going to say, I like that one part where it was like they were talking about how RoboCop went to the school with all the children and then it cut to like in the war against Mexico is happening and then they just brushed it off and like went to a commercial like immediately <laughs> after yeah. of a family playing a board game where they nuke other countries so it was just like a mess but that's what they're going for you know how the news grandizes all these events like no matter how big or small you know oh crisis here nuclear war threat uh cut to commercial and we're back Blah, 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 blah. And that was that the cool. Vietnam War, too. I mean, that was really the first time in American history that we had ever seen that kind of carnage and just utter debauchery on the television. And it was like that. It was like cut to a board game commercial and then cut back to seeing all of the atrocities in the war. So it kind of bounces back and forth. But that disconnect adds a lot. You, you cut right from that to the I'd buy that for a dollar guy, where it's literally it's the same joke over and over again. And people are laughing every time they're telling the same joke. Who exactly is the, the joke? I mean, obviously, it's supposed to be like just it's like a idea. sitcom, it's a catchphrase. It's all the idea it is. of a catchphrase, there's no like anything, <laughs> no it. joke. Is he talking about I'd buy the prostitutes in the ad looking for a dollar? What exactly is he talking about? What's I don't the know exactly. what, what, what is the end game of it? What is the I'd buy that? What is that? It's just yeah. like, yeah, it could apply to anything. It's like, that's what she said. But I want to say, re-watching it today, it kind of takes on a new meaning, the commentary on the police. The line that really, like, it shocked me, I was like, whoa, was when he says, we are, we're basically the military. The, yeah. the sergeant says something about how we, like, we are basically are the military. And I he was said, like, do that? you have access to military weapons? 
And then yeah. he was like, we basically are the military. And I was like, that takes on a whole new concept today with defund the police and everything about that. And it's just nice to pick up new messages like that from a movie that's, you know, how old is RoboCop now? 1987, so... <laughs> 24, 34. There you yeah, go. Well, and not just that, but the idea of an outside <laughs> corporation coming in to do dealings with the police to provide them with weaponry to provide them with armor to provide them with this new tech which is literally a cyborg in this film for the strict purpose of trying to make the police force better in quotes well, i like how it also shows like all systems of government are kind of corrupt too i love this first scene where he's sort of going off on his beat after he's become robocop and he goes to stop the terrorist crisis with the mayor holding up city hall where he's saying like i want a new car that has terrible gas mileage the six thousand my old job S back in a new office yeah the six thousand sux what he wants dude if you want to talk about a scene that shows the gross power <laughs> of the police or the government why don't we talk about the scene where they bring out the first model and it blows this man away right in front of them and they're just like oh we'll just fix it up we'll we'll get the bugs how, out it's how like how did you feel about that yeah, yeah how did you for feel a first time, time or how was time? i was like what the he has like 20 on. seconds to comply and somebody turned they're the so fucking calm. robot off. Like relatively speaking, they're so calm in that moment. Like I would be fucking gone, first of all, out of the room. They all stayed there and watched it. out. Like that scene was just The dude chaos. didn't even try to run. He just stands there. Yeah, watching this robot about to mow him down, which by the and way- Let's talk about ED-209. Yes, because we might have to expand our drone definition a little bit. I was reading, I couldn't find the drone in this movie. I was like, where? Yeah. I, I see no flying vehicles. Well, let me read you this little description real quick. So this is on the ED-209 Wikipedia page. The production team explains in the Criterion Collection featurettes, because this was a Criterion inductee at one point, which is kind of amazing. <laughs> they explain that their approach to designing ED-209 was that an OCP basically applied the same principles they use for modern automobile contracts to a military-grade walker drone. So technically, this is a drone. It's just a walker drone, Hold a on. land drone, if you will. If we're going to say a walker <laughs> drone, does that mean we get to watch Star Wars? Possibly. We might have to do a little bit of back step back on this. Yeah. I feel like there will be a few episodes where we'll have to go back. We'll, uh -oh. one of us will but, we'll have to add but, a table. We'll add to the I feel like most of the, the most of those vehicles in Star Wars are manually operated. Like they're operated by like people uh, inside. I think so. Oh, and 209 okay. is like an AI. It's a robot. Hmm. It's just on legs instead. Okay. Of okay. All right. We got it now. Star Wars. I was just thinking about those two on like the chicken legs that like that hobble yeah. across. Yeah. The there's ground. someone in them. There's someone it, in there. There is the so action figures. You could open it up and put someone inside. I remember. The leg. <laughs> You're like I had the Lego set. I had the Lego set. <laughs> Well, also, that's why Ed 209 is kind of a bitch that doesn't listen to anybody. He sort of just shuts down and doesn't care what any of his owners or heads are saying at all. He just mows this guy down within 20 seconds. It's an incredible. It's it is it's ridiculous. A, it's amazing. Well, I was just going to say, I think that scene, it sets you up for exactly what kind of movie this is. Because first of all, the elevator ride before that is just <laughs> hilarious. The the three actors, the three businessmen just like riffing off of each other. Uh, one of our, another, another Twin Peaks actor, Miguel, Miguel Ferrer. Ferrer. 
kills it in this role. I love just the build up to that scene. You know, everyone's motivation, you know, there's disconnect between the boss. I don't know. It's just really well set up. And so when that comes, it's like, that's the best possible thing that could have happened right now for that scene. It's just over the top and ridiculous. And in the uh, unrated cut, you get even more blood, which is like, did you need to add more to this? But I mean, keep it coming. because well, just... well, to go back to Verhoeven real quick, who oddly, he didn't take this movie for the satire in it. He didn't like that. What brought him on the film was the scene later on where he revisits his home and he felt like that would be a good moment to show the humanity of this character. But Verhoeven's entire output after this seems to be a lot of satire and over the top like he did basic instinct and starship troopers all of which are just riddled with satire and he loves ultra violence too so his whole thing with this film was we accentuate the violence it actually got an x rating when it initially came out they tamped it down to an r but like the violence in this movie is fucking insane even now it's outlandishly ridiculous. But you know that it's over the top. Obviously, you can't show a kid this movie, but wa us watching it, obviously, we're probably desensitized to it at this point, but we're never like, oh my, like, oh my God. We're, like, during that scene where ED-209 mows this guy down, I just kind of laugh because it's just so over the top. I don't know. The scene where they kill Murphy was pretty gruesome, but I just wanted to say I had another note that I wrote. Well, first of all, um, Peter Weller, I wrote down, looks like a mixture of Tom Petty and Killian Murphy. <laughs> and then I also wanted to point out that Miguel Ferrer, um, yeah. villain from Blank Check, so yes, he is I the villain in blank check. I, I, I also wrote that. that down. I knew that right when he walked in. I was like, that's the guy from blank check. Who he's never played check. a good guy. I don't think he's ever played a protagonist in anything. I, even in Twin Peaks, he's kind of scuzzy through the entire thing. Well, can we talk about our protagonist for a minute? I was kind of sad because I love Peter Weller's movie. I was kind of sad there isn't more time where he's not in the helmet because I just think he interacts with every character really well. Even Nancy Allen, who I stand by, is not good in this movie. <laughs> she's um, never very good. But I think bad. she's not terrible. Fair. She's, like, she's not, not as bad, bad as I remember her being, but I just think Peter Weller's very charismatic, and I think he sells the pain once he's in the suit, and I think he sells the just the normal. I have a kid that looks up to me. I learned this guy from a little TV show. You know, I just think he really works in this role. It's a it's an odd pick. They didn't want him initially. They wanted to go for like an Arnold type, but they thought it would be more interesting and more relatable if the character was just a normal, average, everyday looking cop. So they're not going for like bulk. They're going for an empathetic guy to, that we watch his soul sort of disintegrate into this robot form Is there throughout a the movie. movie. There are several. There's a second yeah. and a third, and then there was a TV show they made off of it. So and I was, I was this is a long, the, expansive franchise. I was looking at the, reviews, all of them? the third no. one. Ooh, the third one has like a 6% on <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes. It went, I th it I went think, down fast. I think this one has like a 90-something. And then the second one has like 43. And then the third one has a 6. So, And then Andrew and I have both seen the prime directive tv movies i don't think i even i think i fell asleep during this i don't even think yeah, i watched it and they're movies. just as awful as you can watch. expect i did it as a hangover cure and uh it didn't work 
But yeah, Peter Weller, he returns in the sequel, I know, but he's great in this. And I think he's iconic once he's in the suit. I mean, the suit itself is legendary. I love how it looks. He moves like a robot. He doesn't move like a high tech kind of robot like they might do in later films. Again, yeah, it's bulky. It's like they're really struggling to keep this man alive. You know, the remake, they had to make it look all nice. And he's like dodging bullets. In this one, I like that he's basically invincible. I mean, we see him get just mowed down by bullets and he's eventually fine. So he doesn't really have to move fast because like nothing's really going to stop him. But yeah, I think it just looks great in this movie. There is the scene, yeah, where he raids the cocaine warehouse and he just kind of breaks the door down. Everyone starts shooting and he's just like walking through someone on the catwalk. He just kind of goes like shoots to his side, walking through, doing his thing. Well, apparently Peter Weller hated the outfit because he couldn't walk in it very well and they wanted it to look cumbersome. He almost got fired because he and Verhoeven would get into fights on the costume. But at the end of the shoot, I was reading, he had to take so many pain prescriptions that he was basically high all the time every day during the last couple of days of shooting. I did think I remember reading at one point he didn't like this role very much. He didn't want to come back for it. But then they dumped a barrel of money at the front of his door and he said, oh, okay. Hey, I guess I'll return. Well, it should be said too, the costume and the special effects were designed by Rob Botton, who did a lot of stuff for John Carpenter. He did the fog and he did the thing. By the way, he was 27 years old when he worked on this film. He was 22 when he did the special effects and the thing and 27 when he did this. And he was basically kind of like the thing in charge of all of the special effects for it, or like a large majority of them, which is kind of insane when you think about having that much responsibility to do so many different types of effects too like squib gunshots or the acid monster later on when the guy boils over into a giant pile of slime and mutation but the effects hold up pretty well the animatronics are good the visuals are good overall this movie holds up like 34 years later it still looks really good yeah, like I was saying, the EB-209, I forget, Did, was that like claymation or how was that from? Because it still looks great. It's uh, stop motion, right? Yeah, it's kind of like an animatic. Yeah, okay. it looks great. I mean, it fits in really well with the environment, with all the people around it. One thing, Michael, I would, I want to know, one of the most iconic scenes of this movie, and I'm, you might have seen it before it, it came on, but it's a, I think it's the first scene with RoboCop, right? Where he stops a woman from being attacked by these two guys. He, of course, shoots the, the rapist in the dick. And it's a wonderful, wonderful moment. Just, I mean, you got you had to think that was incredible, right? I think right? her reaction's the best part. Because she just <laughs> she like looks down and she's like, huh? <laughs> like, and then she runs up to him and she's like, you saved me. And... He, he said, what did he, what does he say to her? You have suffered an emotional crisis. I will, I will alert, I will contact a rape crisis center. I don't know what, like, how to feel about anything that happens. In that also, it should be scene. said, the scene starts off like a clockwork orange scene where they're ripping her hair off and her dress. It's brutal. Like, it's they're not just nuts. like, they are it's, crazy. It's not a fondling, it's like, like a rape. He says, let's see if she's got hair down there. And it's like, this is like, 
this is RoboCop. Like, what's happening? This is a cartoon. This is a live action cartoon. Why are we watching this? Exactly. Doesn't it make you want to take a trip to Detroit? They don't call it Detroit. What do they call it? Delta City? They're going to turn old Detroit into Delta City. That's what the corporation's trying to do. That's why they're trying to rid the streets of crime. Well, Uh, let's talk about the criminals of Detroit real quick. Because first of all, aside from the police headquarters that looks like a madhouse of people running around and screaming. (laughs) All the police are striking too, it should be said. I agree with them completely. Their job looks fucking awful throughout the entire film. Well, so we first get our introduction to the main villain, Clarence, played by Kurtwood Smith. Clarence Boddicker. What a great name. That's like a a word generator name. I was actually, there's the scene where he's going through the the police data database and looking at his accomplices they all had such basic names like Dave something and then Clarence Boddicker it's just like clearly you are the main villain Joe (laughs) Cox Leon Nash and Emil Antoinesky I can't pronounce it (laughs) but yeah the other ones the criminals are just as exaggerated as the cops in this movie, though. Like, they see a police car driving up behind them, and their first instinct is just to mow down the car and just think there are going to be no repercussions. It's just insanity. It was like one of the greatest lines in cinema history is where Kurtwood Smith throws the guy out of the back of the bus and says, can you fly, Bobby? As the guy is thrown into the front windshield of a cop car. (laughs) I don't care what he's done before or after. That's Red Foreman and he's not anything else. So I don't care. And that's all I saw the entire time. That's part of the joy of watching this movie is watching him and knowing that character. And even if you watch that show after you saw this movie for the first time, I feel like it's so hard to get red out of your head. I mean, it makes it that much better. Yeah, I mean, it really does. We have, of course, right behind you, another Twin Peaks alum, (laughs) Ray Wise. Wise. Who is just hamming it up. My favorite character in the entire movie. His fight scene at the dance club is probably the funniest scene in the entire movie. Yeah, when he pulls his hair. He's trying to kick him in the nuts and just hitting a metal groin. It's they're, pretty fantastic. They're great. They're- you know what he looks like? He looks like Kaniki from Greece, like 30 years <laughs> later, like strung out on crack. He's great. I mean, Ray Wise, I think, first of all, he I would say he is probably, in terms of the Twin Peaks actors, he and Laura Palmer, those are the two characters that I think are the most fascinating, like by far, especially in the movie they're in. But he is just, he's great in everything. I love, he shows up. We don't have a drone in Twin Peaks. He just shows up in a lot. And I'm always very happy when Ray Wise is there. And and that is the same in this movie. Kerwood Smith's entire gang. The whole crew's pretty good. They're appropriately hammy for the movie they're in. I never get a sense that they're not knowing what they're doing. I think everyone knows what kind of movie this is. Not that it's too over the top or too hammy. It does take itself somewhat seriously, but the performances definitely lend themselves to the 80s aesthetic and you know how ridiculous it is yeah if we're talking about the bad guys and how hammy they are can we talk about ronnie cox as dick jones the one trying to usurp the head of the omni corporation the entire time he is outstanding in this i feel like his mouth is going to consume the entire camera every time he's (laughs) screaming in the movie but his plan is also 
ridiculous how he feels he's gonna cover all of this up like murdering this many people and just burying all of it i don't know how he thought he was gonna get away with it and then you also state your entire plan in front of robocop who you know can record (laughs) you him not being able to comply on rules because of his directive i think that's a great him not being able to kill certain people that just kept it engaging especially the scene where he comes up to Dick Jones and he can't kill him. He's freaking out. Honestly, there are scenes where RoboCop just looks so confused by everything. Like the scene where he comes out and there are several cop cars flashing their lights on him. He just looks so confused. I think that's one one reason is because you can only see his mouth. So literally you're just seeing his mouth like slightly open. I wish he had seen Peter Weller's face more in this. When he takes off his mask near the end of the film, I forgot he leaves the mask off for the rest of the film. It's just Peter Weller. But at that point, it's funny because only the front of his face is- It looks like they stretched a mask over a robot. It definitely doesn't feel like the same Peter Weller. And I think that's definitely intentional. Like it feels so deformed. And now, of course, that's his, like, psyche throughout the whole time, too. He's having visions of his wife and his uh, child. So I think that's I think that's a good thing, that he looks like such a normal person in the beginning, and then by the end, he's, yeah, he's, he's half he's Murphy. Yeah. He's Murphy again. I forget. In the remake, does he actually see his family after becoming RoboCop? Yeah, they're main characters in the movie. That's, that's accentuated a lot more in the remake, from what I remember. I think that's one part of the remake I actually kind of liked. And you get a sense of it here. You know, he goes back to his house. He actually has like a memory scene. He sees the past and he sees his son watching. I think the show is called TJ Laser, which is a cool name. But he doesn't actually see his family. His partner, Nancy Allen, is like, oh yeah, after the funeral, they left. They thought you were dead. They were sad. But I think that is one thing about the remake I kind of liked is that he actually has that interaction with his family as RoboCop. And again, that was what brought Verhoeven onto the project in the first place. That scene was the scene where he was like, this is why I want to do it. I want to show this story about a man who's trapped inside of a robot that's desperately trying to claw back to his humanity, even when he's been programmed to do entirely the opposite, to just distance himself and do everything as a directive, not so much as like what a normal cop would do probably, which is to think and feel and empathize, hopefully, not all the time, but that would be the the main goal of having a human cop and they're trying to accentuate how much better this program is when really it's just destroying this guy's humanity the entire time you said the writer worked a little bit on blade runner it's a little bit of a parallel and a big part of this movie is how much humanity is left in murphy how much does he remember his old life does he remember his family is there any emotion left in him like there's not even a brain left in him because we see his face with the robot it's just mechanics so how much of him is actually left which is why nancy allen makes me laugh because she's so desperately trying to get back to the human murphy but she knew him for like a day maybe a couple hours not really that long at all they got some coffee together and then immediately started getting gunned down yeah the shit hit the fan real fast i think it's their fault for going into a warehouse full of guys alone like her fault they drive up to the place and he's like backup is 20 minutes away and murphy is like you call it and she's like let's go (laughs) it is completely her fault this happens to murphy like 20 minutes 
See what? It's a cup of coffee. Like it's nothing, you know, they'll be there soon. Just wait outside and well, take them all together. Well, they actually drop their coffee outside the coffee shop before they zoom off. I was like, I mean, you could have like taken your coffee. You didn't have to drop it. She paid for it. Like, Sometimes you got to throw some coffee away to get some criminals. I was going to say like one of the interesting things you talked about Detroit a lot. This film, they tried to shoot in Detroit, but it was too expensive and they were not too kind to the script for the film. So the entire film was actually shot in Dallas. They were going to shoot it in Houston and they got a better deal in Dallas. Also, the buildings and architecture looked more futuristic, which I got to say, like for a film that's supposed to be set in the future technically or have futuristic vibes, it does a good job of keeping everything in check in terms of like modern and future. You get the sense that this could be happening right now. It doesn't necessarily have to be 20 years later, despite the fact that technology is supremely advanced. I kind of agree that it's kind of timeless. I was really liking the design of like the police department, how they were wearing like these war style uniforms with so much more like armor on them. I don't know. I just thought that was a cool idea. It just worked with what's going on now with like the the police becoming more similar to a military. Yeah, it works as being kind of a timeless feature because nowhere in it was I like, I mean, other than the effects looking maybe a bit dated, nothing really felt old. Again, probably didn't need a remake either. I honestly feel like it's kind of weird that they remade this at all too. We'll talk about the remake, but one of the things that's interesting is it feels a little tone deaf the time it came out. As you said, it came out like what, seven years ago, like right before all of the police insurrections and riots and debates started about black lives matter and blue lives matter. And it seems like this movie kind of has more to say than that film does from what I remember about the police state and how controlling they are and how companies manufacturing weapons are such a primary, obstacle for them to face. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is the scene where Murphy first wakes up and is getting acclimated to everything and he's not being given any sort of humanity at all. He's just being treated as a product, like a manufactured item for the police state and corporations to use like he's not really being treated as a human throughout the entire film up until i guess that's nancy allen's best attribute in the film is her bringing him back to the fold and as far as his humanity goes that was one of the interesting things watching it this time is i i really i don't normally connect with it when i watch it like that i watch it mostly as a satire but that was something that really stuck out to me this time as far as i felt a lot more for this character or well luckily we will be back to talk about the robocop remake but there's another robocop remake that we'll have to watch before that called our robocop remake um because it contains the same characters and is a movie length so i guess it falls under the criteria of being a drone film right i've only ever seen the one scene michael do you know what our robocop remake is Okay, just I need to explain it for you and in the audience. So right before the remake came out, all these different filmmakers came together and created scenes from RoboCop and like made their own remake of it. And it's just everyone's different interpretation of each scene by itself. Um, and Andrew was saying there was some great, some great directors on it. Justin Roiland is on there. John Watts. He who worked went on, on it. I don't know if he directed it, but he worked on it. Yeah, it's it's got some good people on it. So uh, and John Watts, Spider-Man director, worked yeah, on it. it. It's it's quite entertaining. So yeah, right around the remake, I think we'll have to do those back to back. So we got to talk about that scene. Scene twenty-seven. Yeah, Yeah, we'll get to it, definitely. Guys, I got the trivia from IMDb here. So we talked about the RoboCop suit. Apparently, most expensive item on set, obviously. It costs somewhere between 
$500,000 to 1 million just for the suit alone. That's a huge fucking chasm in prices. <laughs> I mean, that is literally a lot of faith in the movie. The, the budget yeah. was 14 million. Which would, I mean, that's so a, how that... much, whatever percentage that is of 14 million. It's a lot. The, the budget, yeah, 14 million. Yeah, I was going to ask, is that a lot for this kind of movie at the time? Orion wasn't like a huge studio. They partnered with MGM, but this was kind of like a big push for them. It's not a huge budget, but it's like a moderately decent budget. It was a sleeper hit. It came out that year and did really well, surprisingly. People were a little bit tempered on whether or not it was going to do well at all but then it came out and it's kind of getting like more of a cult following i feel like as far as reputation goes critically it was well received but also it did well with audiences over time it wasn't like a instant hit but it did a slow crawl to getting its money back i think a lot of that has to do with going back and looking at the satire of it more than anything well so going off of also what the robocop suit is apparently it was so hot inside of the actual suit that peter weller was losing three, according to this, three pounds a day from water loss. So an awesome. eventually I they got air conditioners put inside the suit. Like they got an airflow in it. That's I another don't know million how. added on. They had little fans maybe that came up that like blew his face a little. If I knew and then I was they... going to lose three pounds, I'd be eating so much. It's interesting though. I mean, again, it's an iconic suit. I feel like one of the reasons I was so, you know, thrown off by the remake is because I was like, I don't need an upgrade to it. I think it just looks so good in the old one. Obviously they have to make it new. Well, they did movie. the Dark Knight method. They let him move his head instead of just being able to like. Yeah, turn. it makes more sense to upgrade it. But I always just loved this design so much. It felt sacrilegious. I do like, I mean, just we've already said it, but the way he moves in the movie, he literally is robotic. When he has to move left, his entire body moves left before he takes a step. He, the way his head moves, it works that way. He does a good job so, with body motion too. They choreographed all the actors to move throughout the scenes. And that was a big, point of contention was getting Peter Weller to move like a robot. He's got to be able to do the dance so well whenever he goes to like a bar. That's like, what I was thinking. I don't know why he didn't break down in that scene with Red Wine. <laughs> he has to like get through the crowd. He has to disguise himself. So going off of last week's story that Runaway was one of a dictator's favorite films, I like these IMDb trivia facts that connect these to just the strange stories. <laughs> so, so in Sacramento, California, so near you guys, a robbery suspect fled into a darkened movie theater to escape pursuing police, okay? okay? So he's hiding in the movie theater. Apparently, according to this fact, he became so engrossed by the film <laughs> going on, on screen, it was <laughs> that he failed to notice that the police had evacuated every patron from the building and was, around, and was surrounding him. And so he was taken into custody once the lights flipped on. So they let him finish the movie, which I appreciate. Thank God. I swear, some, someone is just like writing, just coming up with random stories and putting them in IMDb. See, that's why I don't search them because I don't want them to be proven wrong. This next one, though, is definitely true. Um, and I, I, I love this little bit of trivia, okay? 27 years after the movie's release, Detroit did actually file for bankruptcy. <laughs> <laughs> so, look, Not only that, but 
as of this year, they're finishing their, you know, Philadelphia has their Rocky statue. Detroit is going to have their own RoboCop statue. We got to stop this. Like, this Dude, this has to be. You know what? Detroit this. needs something. something the Lions yeah. <laughs> suck. The Tigers suck. The Red Wings suck. Like, they're not RoboCop. They should give them give something. You but know? it wasn't even shot there. Where was it, Saturday Night know. Fever in New York? Why do I feel like yeah. that was Detroit? Saturday Night Fever? That was yeah. New York. Why do I feel like that was Detroit? Why Again, do I, why like do I scuzzy like and that? John Travolta's real scuzzy in that movie. What was the stripper movie that came out recently? Was that in Detroit? Surely. Surely it had to be. Which one? Um, what? The with Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, the Jennifer Lopez one. That was that had to be Detroit. I think that was oh, damn it. Yeah, there are no sequels. I like to believe that there are no sequels to this movie. I don't feel like we should do the sequels either. They are no. I mean, we already <laughs> talked about we already talked about the drone in this movie. Re especially is like soul suckingly bad. Like it's they were written by comic artist Frank Miller, too. <laughs> I mean, you know exactly what that's going to be. I honestly forgot that the remake even came out. I always just, it's nice to watch this film and then say, that was, an, that was a good movie. And then just turn off your TV. I'd be interested to talk about the remake because I don't hate the remake. It's got some good stuff in it. I honestly yeah. think the scene, I was thinking about it watching the movie this time, that scene I brought up earlier where he's waking up and being introduced to everybody is really good in this film. But the remake, that scene where Gary Oldman disassembles him in front of himself mm -hmm. is one of the freakiest things I can remember seeing as far yeah. as like a body horror moment where it's like all he has is just his head and the spine. And he realizes just how far gone he is and it's like part of his like chat it's weird it's, it is freaky it's weird and freaky but this one like, like alive yeah we don't really get a sense of how destructed he is in this movie either we just get the again like the face it looks like the faces from brazil where they stretch their face back to give him facelifts it feels like there is somebody inside of the suit the entire time real quick i do want to highlight two special effects moments one great one not so great um, i think i know what you're gonna say so the great one is Boddicker's henchman falling into toxic waste. oh that was gross that was so gross but Incredible. it looks so good the prosthetics are great it's gross <laughs> that splat is one of the best yeah, splats the i've ever seen <laughs> when he hits the car and blood covers the, the yeah it just explodes i was obviously expecting it and michael was michael the whole time had said anything and, he quit and michael went oh oh <laughs> And then a, a, an example of not so great special effects is Jay. Do you know what I'm going to say? Uh, this one. Yes. <laughs> Why? I is love. That, I mean, look, it looks fine. It's just the arms. They're like they're, they're too long. Yeah. They're <laughs> is it a dummy? I, I think it's rear view. They just had him falling like, out of the building. I that scene. Spoilers for the last scene, but the last scene of this movie is just incredible. How they wrap it up. They it wrap really it up. It's a great all, scene. We didn't mention. First it, of yeah. all, it's a great setup. He can't shoot Dick Jones because of the Prime Directive. Prime Directive is. I don't think we've said it yet. It's that uh, he's not allowed to arrest senior OCP executives. Yes, and so his brilliant plan 
is to take the CEO of the company and say, we're going to leave by helicopter from the roof. And I was like, you've already put yourself in a terrible position. Another <laughs> to his master plan. Exactly. And of course, the CEO yells out, Dick, you're fired. And RoboCop lets loose on him and he falls out the window. It's it, it's incredible. It's just a great, it's a great ending. So real quick, it says, Dick Jones' fatal flaw is shown by a stop-motion puppet of Cox animated by Rocco Joffrey. The limited development time meant Joffrey used a foam rubber puppet with an aluminum skeleton instead of a higher quality articulated version. It was composited against Mark Sullivan's Maté painting of The Street Below. So... I guess they didn't have enough development time to make it look as good as it did, which is why it looks a little... That may be one of the reasons why I like that is because I always remember that shot. I think it's because it is matte paintings and animatronics and face rip. Like, it's a bunch of different special effects compiled on top of each other. So when I see it, it doesn't look real, but it's funny. I can laugh at it. It's you, it's a yeah, funny it's moment. Unique. It's like, yeah. it feels like a Tim Burton effect where you're like, that's not real. It's, you know, Joker falling off the building in Batman. Like, it's not real, but it works for this kind of atmosphere because it's just goofy. Exactly. I don't know. It's great. It's also, Tim Ronnie Burton. Cox's hilarious performance comes through, too, as he's falling out of the fucking window. He's just over the top of this. He's but great. Yeah, all the stop motion and everything in this. The visual effects lend themselves really well to this film. So most of them are really good, but even that one of them falling is, it's funny, but it's still memorable. The amount of collateral damage and injuries in this film is oh my God. astronomical. I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to start their $2 million Delta City development project because it's going to go all to like... To like healthcare. Healthcare of cops, uh, fixing like cleaning up toxic waste at this factory. That's one of my favorite lines in the movie is where Nancy Allen says, I don't know if they can fix it. And he's like, oh, they'll fix it. They fix everything. Like, <laughs> so deadpan. Also kind of funny, the, the chief executive officer or whatever of OCP, he's just credited as the old man. Yeah, the that. old man. The yeah. only good character in the movie, really. Okay, he, he, I'm he glad. He's kind of like, for an executive, he's a good guy. He's not, like, trying to... He's just trying to run his company. He's not like, slimy yeah. or anything. He's just like, hey, I want to build a city. I want to reform the city. I want to reform the city, but... We have to stop crime before we do that. So, like, you guys bring me your ideas for stopping crime. And that's why Miguel Ferreira gets his Robocop program started because Ronnie Cox's ED 209 program obviously failed fails, miserably. Fails in its presentation by murdering a board member. The old man's <laughs> reaction is great in that scene because at first I was like, why is he just sitting there? But I mean, what else would you do? I mean, like, you're trying to help this city and then something like that happens and you're just like, this is going to be a PR nightmare. What does he give me? He's like 90 days. And I'm like, 90 days? That's going to be the lawsuit for this death is going to take longer than it will be for you to fix this program. I love he dies in that scene and someone is just like, uh, can someone call the paramedics? <laughs> I don't think they're going to be able to do much, but I, yeah, I guess you got to clean it up. <laughs> There's a woman in the background in that scene that made me laugh where she's just screaming, get me out of here. <laughs> I need to fucking leave. Uh, that's the other thing. The guy who they use as a test subject when ED-209 does not take him dropping his gun as, you know, a surrender. And the guy starts to like run towards the other board members <laughs> and they he's like help me help me and they just 
push him out of the way. Like, Dude, I'm not going to die. This is on you. That seems so chaotic. Michael, were you shocked by the level of violence in this movie? Or was it just sort of like it became funny after a while? No, it was honestly the first when that scene happened, it was so off putting because I was just that was not the direction I thought this movie was going to go. But I mean, it wasn't, it didn't like make the movie any worse or anything. It was just like, okay. <laughs> this is where this is where we're at right now. Like. Yeah. Michael, I would like to ask this. Having watched the film and having seen the remake first, which one works for you more? I think this one might work a little better. The simplicity of this one, where you try, where you see the new one and they try to add different layers to it and it tries to do more. Not in a bad way, but this one, I think it's just like, I really think you were talking about it earlier when he goes to the house and he, you know, starts to remember his family. I think it pays off and I think it works. And I like the idea of him not taking his mask off till the end and that kind of like, you know, realizing, you know, who he is and what he is now type thing in that like transition. I think it all kind of works and I like it. That you kind of nailed it right there. I like that you don't see his face before you don't see that kind of structure of his face after the accident until he's been robocop for a little while it's like when he takes off it's like a big moment so yeah i know um the moment does work in the remake but i think that one you're right does work because you haven't you haven't seen what he looks like you've just seen robocop blowing people away and right. you know doing heroic stuff and you're like this is awesome and then you're like okay i wait you know he's just both a great hero and he's he has an interesting dynamic to him i honestly didn't know what it was going to look like when they took his helmet off i was thinking about star wars when you see darth vader's head and i was like are we going to see like brain is he going to have like, like i want this old man i didn't off. know what it was going to show <laughs> Honestly, you're not far off. I feel like they're they're pretty similar makeup jobs. I do like to build off that real quick, just to throw this in probably earlier. Like the the reveal of him as far as like the suit goes too, I thought added to that a lot as well. We the first time we see him is a POV shot when he's Robocop. And then we get like him behind the stained glass where we don't quite see him. And then we get the suit with like the full suit reveal. And then after that, it's an hour of him in the Robocop uniform. And we were so impressed and immersed inside of this character as Robocop that by the point where we get to, like you said, Jay, where it's like, hold on a tick, like this guy, he was a guy before all of this happened. So we probably need to go back to that and coax this out a little bit more i thought all that was handled really well so want to run through final thoughts real quick and we we'll sum it up so they hand it over to michael real quick you got no no, no 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 i are we doing <laughs> are we reviewing it like giving our review yeah, yeah. i mean okay, your final I thoughts so. I'm not... okay all right matthew i mean yeah what's there to say this movie is really good it's product of its time but that's not at all a detriment it works in its favor good performances all around especially from um, Kurt Smith and Peter Weller. The violence is great. I'm sure some people will be put off by the violence in this movie, but if you go into it thinking like it's supposed to be over-the-top violent, it's kind of funny at times just how over the top it is but like we've all said i think the one thing i always come back to about it is the satire elements the commentary on reagan era politics the use of more forceful police tactics the news media and how they you know how they overemphasize stories not only that but every time they show the news media 
for the news stories, they have an ad in between like their stories. That Nukem ad is so good. I love that one so much because they're like, oh no, the peace treaty fell through and the mom's like, you just stepped over the border. I'm going <laughs> to launch my missile. Yeah, it, it's fun. It's funny. It has poignant satire that is still relevant today. It's just a fun movie. I can go back to this anytime and watch it and still have fun with it. I'd probably give it four and a half buzzing drones and one guy shot 70 times by a drone. Yeah. I mean, like you said earlier, I'm a huge fan of this movie. There's stuff we didn't even go over that's iconic, like bitches leave, great line. Um, We haven't talked about the police sergeant who's just so great in his role as just the shouting police sergeant. This movie won an Oscar for best editing, or it's not won, sorry. This movie, it was nominated for sound editing. And this uh, movie, it was... This movie was nominated for best editing, and I I think it deserves that because it moves so fast. Like it, like for me, it just it goes by so quickly, and it's like Matthew said, it's fun, it's so violent, and so it satisfies that need if you need it. You know, the again, the only thing that doesn't work for me probably is Nancy Allen, just because I don't think she's the best actress. But that's not ruinsome because like it's good ass movie um and like again this time it was effective on a new level because of what we've been seeing in the news recently so i thought it was awesome to be able to go back to an old movie and you know be able to pick up something new this franchise is a lot like jurassic park for me where i really love the first film and then i just don't care about the sequels (laughs) i just they don't matter so like or the remakes or anything so it's just a great film you can go back to i would give it five just bloody assault drones just they're just covered in blood like they've just massacred 15 people exactly like yeah for all five it's a great film i if you haven't seen it definitely check it out michael do you want to go last or you want me to go no no no. i'll, I'll go and then you're last because you're it's your show so like i go okay. last three. okay all right uh so like we said earlier this movie, it's called RoboCop. That's what it is. It is a movie about a robot cop. And it, that's kind of what you get. Like, it's fun. It's a little bit gruesome at times, but it works. And I think the layers that they added to it with his inner, you know, like um, struggle with figuring out who he was, what he is now, and all of that kind of works and pays off in the end. I think there's a lot of good performances from a lot of people. I didn't mind Nancy Allen. thought she just was fine like the rest of them um and i don't know i think it's a fun 80s movie effects wise it holds up other than that one shot that we mentioned earlier i'd probably watch it again definitely i would definitely recommend uh i would say we'll give it three buzzing drones a fourth drone that's not quite buzzing but humming and then a paper airplane so it's pretty solid It's a good first time experience if you felt that way about it too. Yeah. One of the things that impresses me every time I watch it is the fact that it holds up as well as it does now is still, again, it got a criterion release. That's gotta say that's something for it that's really impressive because i feel like to me the thing i glom onto the most whenever i watch this movie is the the satire one of the things that's really impressive is how they use satire as a means of building the world too it's not just there to be a joke the entire time
time. It's also fleshing out the world, consumer habits, people's mentalities on the police state and corporate culture, as you said, like with the Reagan era culture and all that. But I also feel watching it this time was the first time in a while that I've rewatched it that I was able to really connect with Murphy's story and feel that sense of imposing dread that everyone around him had watching him lose all of his humanity. And I feel like that's something reading about Verhoeven's thoughts on the film and what brought him to the project. I feel like that's something that sticks out a lot more now. The satire is good. And I feel like he developed a lot of really good satire in some of his later films. Starship Troopers is really good with like just crazy over the top ridiculousness throughout the entire film, like the the bug campaigns, which are kind of similar to this, where they're trying to get people to sign up for the military in this like fascist regime but this film in general i agree with you like it doesn't need anything else the best part about this film is that it is self-contained it's simple you know exactly what it is but everybody working on it from the special effects the directing the writing everybody brought something to the table to make it better to make it something more interesting than what it probably would have been if given just to like a b-movie standard i would say i have a lot more respect for it now so I'd probably give it a solid four acid-wielding buzzing drones flying through the air about to crash into a police station, which would probably be a pretty fun spectacle to watch, kind of like this movie. That would be some news to hear. Can you imagine <laughs> if you woke up one morning and you heard acid-wielding drones crashed into a police, police station? <laughs> Not ideal. Um, Not ideal, ideal, but it would be interesting. It'd be news. Like this movie, yeah. Yeah, it'd be news for weeks. Come on, they'd be asking so many questions. I also don't think we've mentioned it yet, but the main theme is really good too. Yeah, the score is great. Yeah, we didn't. It's hard to sometimes I forget to mention the score in these things, but yeah, this has an iconic theme to it, especially just. And Andrew, how you were saying the whole film is self-contained. That last scene where, you know, he walks away and he's like, what's your name? Murphy. And it just ends right there. It starts playing the theme. Him saying that, you know, realizing his humanity and then going straight into the theme and credits, it works so well. It just is like caps it off perfectly of everything we needed to see, everything we needed to know all the character development we needed. The editing nomination was justified, I feel like. This movie moves quick, too. It's not slow. Every scene is conveying some type of information, whether it be satire or bloody horror or whatever it needs to show. It's always it's always moving. It's not, not slow enough. Like, no. It's just kind of, it's tight. It's all the way through. There's nothing you can trim out of this movie, I feel mm-hmm. like, that would make it better. But yeah, so uh, we should talk about what we're doing next time. We're going to be doing <laughs> we're doing Back to the Future Part 2. None of the yes. other ones. Back to the Future Part 2. I'm going to try to get my friend Alex to come on the podcast because it's his favorite movie of all time. Let's so go. We're Let's go. Him. Right, to watch it great. and talk about it with us so that'll be fun i'm not exactly sure maybe you guys remember matthew i know you're a big fan maybe you remember like what the drone in this movie is i do not yes That's... there is a drone well they're all of the future obviously the future scenes there's one i believe that's projecting. oh yeah I forgot the... there <laughs> There's one that's projecting the daily news, and then there's a cop one that follows the police around when they bring Jennifer. Oh my God, they've got two. They've got two. I guess, I guess, <laughs> I guess, I guess, 
I, I more guess than, more than we've had time. so we far, right? Oh. I guess you could also count the DeLorean because there might be a scene where no one's in it, but... It's a car drone. It. Well, it's a... If, I think there might be a scene where neither Doc or Marty are in the car and Doc is just controlling it from his, his switchboard or whatever, so that's technically an unmanned aerial vehicle. All right. But we'll I forget we'll if get into it. Now. I'm we'll, excited. We'll roll it. <laughs> all right well next time we'll be talking about back to the future part two thank you for joining us on this week's episode of droning on and on we were talking about robocop 87 uh hope to see you guys again next week thank you for joining us don't forget to buy that for a dollar <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucking drone, it's a 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 motherfucking drone, it's a